0: Welcome to the world of tomorrow!
1: Good news, everyone! It's Talking Futurama, now with flavor. I'm your host, Bob Icy Wiener Mackey, and this is the Talking Simpsons Patreon's chronological exploration of Futurama, who is here with me today. Is that blimp accurate?
0: <laughs> it's Henry Gilbert's.
1: And who else?
2: Brickshitting Chris Antistam.
1: And today's episode is Space Pilot 3000.
0: Bite my shiny metal ass.
1: And today's episode aired on March 28th, 1999. As always, Henry will tell us what happened on this mythical day in real world history.
0: Welcome to the world of tomorrow! <laughs>
3: <laughs> oh boy, Bobby! On uh, March 28th, 1999, the Purdue beat Duke to win the NCAA Women's Basketball Championship. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Freaky tov the rap group Lost Boys passed away. The top film is Sandra Bullock and Ben Affleck romantic comedy Forces of Nature, which I have not thought about in ever, I think. And in a very futuristic move at the top of the charts in the U.S., is the introduction to auto-tune for many shares
1: blue <laughs>
2: so chris also has some we, important news facts we did not talk about who was doing the news beforehand so i excitedly <laughs> did it and just because it's later than it's later in the world than when we do the simpsons there's a lot of information about what was going on out there it's, you
3: can actually read news stories on websites from uh, articles written
2: for the internet at this point uh So I'll get in in my... Because I collected so much, and Uh, the highlights are uh, this. Oh boy, Bobby or Bender. (laughs) Dr. Jack Kevorkian is found guilty of second-degree murder for his part in the assisted suicides. Craig Kilborn takes over for Tom Snyder on CBS's Late Late Show. And let's ignore Doug's first movie for a moment, animation fans, because hours after Futurama's debut, The Matrix premieres in theaters. Oh my. uh, Oh my. And... SpongeBob is weeks from airing. The Kosovo War is going on. Pokemon Snap is has man. just come out, and Joe DiMaggio, no relation, has just died. Uh, well, <laughs> like, he couldn't
3: he couldn't see The Matrix. That sucks uh, for man, Joe. He <laughs> should be so sad that his son John DiMaggio he didn't get to see his work. <laughs> no
2: relation. I wish they were related. <laughs> I
3: this I I liked all those extra news bits, Chris, to really mm-hmm. set the scene because this early 1999 time frame is very different from the late. A 1989 re- yeah. release of the first episode of The Simpsons. It's, it's just true. all
2: stuff that you like. Can't, it's it should it was shocking to me that like 72 hours after Futurama's airing The Matrix comes out. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. Those are two time huge things to be alive. And
3: they they're both very future-looking for a specific type of future, though not similar ones, yeah.
1: So before we start, I want to explain oh. talking Futurama to all of you. It's just like talking Simpsons, but with <laughs> Futurama. Also, to let you guys know, we're only doing one season for now. This episode you're listening to probably for free. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you go to Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons, episode two is already there waiting for you, and that's where the rest of the episodes will live. So go to Patreon.com slash Talking Simpsons to get episode two right now and the rest of them when we release them weekly.
2: And I would like to say, I begged you guys over and over to do this, and this is I'm so glad I did it, It... uh, because I was dying to rewatch Futurama, more so than The Simpsons, because I had comparatively a very short, time with Futurama I was obsessed Mm. with the DVDs moved out here didn't take them the Simpsons I had 10 years of baking in my brain Mm -hmm. I didn't get that for Futurama and I said something I regretted on a podcast that I I I wish I could say it more elegantly I love I think the Simpsons is funny and I really love Rick and Morty it doesn't replace Futurama Mm -hmm. it's just very similar
3: it scratches a very similar itch I would say though uh Rick and Morty is kind of a middle ground of the two because Futurama is not about family, well, yes. or it's not about an actual like genetic family together, while well, Simpsons is, and Rick and Morty is both those things. It's wacky, crazy, sci-fi adventure ups, yeah. So, d- but with a core nuclear family and
1: in the middle. Rick and Morty is the non-Harvard writer version of the <laughs> same idea. Yeah, like, the more
2: depressed writer's version. Yes. And because I, 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 it sounded like I said Futurama was worse than those shows. I didn't mean that. Mm-hmm. And it was super important to me. Look, I brought out that's a metal bender uh, that, that was I still have. Early. I brought you've
3: owned that a long time. When it was
2: canceled, I bought everything I could. That <laughs> when it was canceled the first of four times, yeah, I bought everything true. I could uh, of Futurama. There's too many everything. last
3: episodes of Futurama. I think there's
2: four
1: at last count. All yes. written by Ken Keeler, by the way. Really? Yeah, yes. I didn't know
3: that. But the but my yeah my experience with Futurama was uh, similar. I th- bet to most people in my age group, even that you love The Simpsons. But there never was anything that was really a new Simpsons, like a spin off of The Simpsons. You had mm-hmm. The Critic, which we did every episode of, which had many of the same staff, but it was intentionally meant to not look like The Simpsons. Mm-hmm. Around the same year as this episode, as this. Premiered. you had Mission Hill, which was a bunch of ex-Simpsons people, but they wanted to not make The Simpsons. This was Matt Groening, so he could even ape the Simpsons art style because it's his art that's style. That's true, yeah. And,
2: it does feel yeah, nuts. He
1: that,
3: got away with it. He yeah. got away with but it. this is, they're, they're white.
1: Like, everything yes, yeah. That, no one has the yellow skin.
3: Well, as I'd heard Groening say that in the world of Futurama, it is... Our world, where they watch The Simpsons in it, it's not the weirdo world of The Simpsons Got and it. Yellow People. Got that it. is the difference. Plus, they have some people have little bumps on the bridge in their noses, mm-hmm. which Simpsons characters don't have, thus making them uh, legally uh, <laughs> distinct. So I, Fox I'm, can't sue itself. I'm looking forward to, on uh, the Netflix show, Disenchanted, for them to look 98% the same as Simpsons <laughs> characters do. And,
2: and, and the one little thing they'll change to not be sued. Through that statement and doing that show, I discovered that people a little younger than me have the same relationship to Futurama mm. that I had with The Simpsons because they'd grown up with it in syndication repeated forever. Mm. Like, it's kind of... That's what keeps bringing it back. Yeah. Running Adults on different channels. I saved
3: it because yeah. this was unwatchable in the sense that you could not find a way to watch it on Fox.
1: I mean, I was there day one, and I was just chasing it all over Fox. It was on like two Sunday nights (laughs) after premiere, then it went to Tuesday, where they put every non-Simpsons animated show. So Tuesday's on Fox Mm -hmm. for like maybe half a year, it was like uh, Futurama, the PJs, Family Guy, mm-hmm. and something else. I forget. Just a dumping ground by yeah. exactly like like,
3: Simpsons. Well, it's, it, it, that shit always happens mm-hmm. to animated shows on Fox. It so did. Like, it, it, it was, I, it's well, what killed the fucking critic, too. Trying
2: to watch Futurama was like a Scooby Doo hallway sequence. Like, <laughs> everywhere I was, the episode wasn't. Uh, just until... a
1: football player behind every door. Yeah. <laughs> but it, it, or a baseball player.
2: John Madden here. You're not watching Futurama. But it, it, they say at the time, Futurama had the highest ratings of any Fox show mm. to ever debut. And like, how could it not?
1: Until Oliver Bean, Chris. <laughs> and we all remember <laughs> Oliver Bean. I'm, I'm totally serious. Oliver Bean Are had you the highest. Uh, after Futurama, it was Oliver Bean and it lasted like half a season. Did it, did it air wow. after the Super Bowl? What the hell? I don't remember, but that David Cross narration David Cross could nari- not save it. My
3: <laughs> God, I have, I had erased that from my memory. But that it, yeah, show. if you can imagine
2: like growing up being obsessed with The Simpsons for over a decade and then Fox tells you, there's a new show from the guy who Mm. made the Simpsons and it's set in the future. Like I went crazy.
3: And at the time I didn't know, I didn't know the names of every writer like I know Mm. now. So all I knew was, Oh, Matt Groening, the creator of the Simpsons who does everything on the Simpsons, Mm -hmm. (laughs) he's making a new show. Awesome. And I would have been even more excited to know how many people they stole from the season eight mm-hmm. Simpsons writing staff and oh, yeah. animation too.
1: We should talk about the production though, because sure. I mean, after Matt Groening created the Simpsons, they were trying. Fox was trying to get him to create a new show for years. Mm-hmm. Again, this took like ten years to happen. I mean, and
2: what's his motivation? as the richest well, man in show money? Working.
1: Yes,
3: as Dana Gold said on our live show, he's like well, he's a billionaire. Of course, he's happy. Yes, but we said that on uh, on one of the season wrap ups. I remember saying the news that. In Variety, they had made a deal for a pilot for a Life in Hell cartoon that never happened, not even a pilot of it produced. And there was the story that the critic began as Matt just talking up like what if we had a crusty spinoff and it's about making the crusty show and i believe they at one point talked about what if 22 short films of springfield was just a show and it yeah. was a springfield but they could never matt Groening could
1: never actually get a new show going on the commentary you'll hear him throw out ideas he's had for series like young homer things like that mm. things that never happened but this is what happened in in 1996 he and David S. Cohen, uh, he changed his name to David X. Cohen because of the future, I guess, yeah. or for a more notable Writers Guild credit, who knows. But uh, in 96, he, uh, he and uh, Matt Green began developing Futurama, and they pitched it to Fox in April of 1998. And uh, from that first pitch, it was a very contentious relationship with the network. You think they would kiss Matt Groening's ass in whatever he did because he saved the network. He He made the Fox network. Like him and all the other yep. people that work on The Simpsons, they, of
3: he made many people rich yeah. through his show. You know? Yeah, but,
1: but still, they gave him shit at every turn. It sounds. It's far. true, and so going into the production of Futurama, Matt Groening rightly assumed, "Oh, just like on The Simpsons, we don't get notes." Mm-hmm. And when he when that didn't come true, he mm-hmm. went to Fox, and they're like, "We don't do business like that anymore." Mm-hmm. So they and
3: he said, "Well, that's the only way I do business." Yes,
1: so. He did take notes from the network until episode three, I, roommate That was an episode made for the network. It's yeah, like, here, here we're going to address every problem you have. And they hated it. And from that point on, they're like, guess what? No more oh. notes. Yeah. No, and
3: well, that's also why they got their time slot fucked around with a bit, too. Because like yeah. executives, if executive doesn't like you, they're not going to give you the prime Simpson post-Simpsons time slot, which it absolutely, what else do you put on after the Simpsons? Yeah,
1: yeah it got seven o'clock, like, after Tuesdays, it was always seven o'clock Sundays, Ugh. which is the worst. It's it's you will always be preempted by sports. Yep. King of the Hill was like seven thirty, maybe, maybe maybe you got King of the Hill almost yeah.
2: never.
3: For two months of the year, it wouldn't be preemptive mm-hmm. during primetime because you either had at the start of the season, you would have baseball playoffs mm-hmm. that, and then the World Series.
2: Which, by the way, they play how many games a year? Like uh, 2,000 baseball games a year. Holy <laughs> oh. shit.
3: Yeah. And then once baseball season's over, well, now it's football and foot- NFL is going to replace it too. Remember, and- it had
2: that, that shitty caveat of like when they Fox canceled it? It's like, no, no, but so many episodes have been preempted. We'll still mm-hmm. run it for another year. Seasons worth of episodes. Yes. That's right. Yeah. And well, that's al- why I'm like fucking
3: Hulu, which you can watch the, along with us on Hulu. Is If you have that, you don't have to rebuy the DVDs. They're, they're awesome DVDs. Mm-hmm. But on Hulu, it's the airing seasons, that's not right. the production seasons. We should point out we
1: are doing 13 episodes for now, not mm-hmm. nine, the nine that aired in season one. We're doing the 13 produced for season one, and it ends with the Titanic parody, mm-hmm. just in case you're wondering. <laughs> that Look. are
3: on the volume. That's also what drove me nuts when I would buy the Ugh. DVDs. They're called volumes, not seasons, because they can't that, be the aired seasons. That in Family. Guy.
2: They both right. got fucked around in the same way mm, Volu- with Volume with volume sets. So
3: they're volume one, which I rebought it uh, and. Look, I know, I'm glad there's less of a carbon footprint, but I miss those, I miss the plastic sleeves on mm-hmm. those. Though the art is amazing. Yeah, the art I is way better, the yeah.
1: like the minimalist look to it. So, if you listen to the commentaries, the commentaries are fucking great, by the way. Mm-hmm. Just like but Simpsons comments. They're extra salty and spicy because they were recorded in 2003, right after they were canceled Whoa. by Fox. Okay. So you hear a lot of complaints about Fox, about yep. how they hated everything with the show, including like Suicide Booths, like Why Is Bender So Bad, all of these things. You get to hear every Fox complaint. And those are the things that we love the most about Futurama, like mm-hmm. Bender being a drunken sociopath. He's a charming character. He's a fun character. Fox hated it. Yes,
2: reading about some of their notes, it's like, this is every this is every reason the show works. God, shut up. Yes. I hate you people so much. <laughs> and
1: <laughs> having, again, I've said this before on podcasts, but I never worked with executives until last year, mm-hmm. and everything you hear about them is true. Everything. Maybe there's like three good executives that that are fans of their product that they're helping like shepherd into creation. I I
2: have absolutely have some, but with this much money on the line, like everybody has to have a say where it's lo- it looks like they're not working exactly you yeah. get like, in that situation. Like, this isn't important.
3: In a way, it's a system more than, like, vindictiveness on an executive. I put in, though, there are absolutely vindictive executives sure. yeah. in my life. but I'm just but, still raw. But it is it is also the system of just, like, well, I'm not doing my job if I don't fuck with your show. Like, yeah. I have to. And, I have and to given
2: that, that Family Guy is still on Fox and Futurama isn't, that you noted this show for being harsh or making a joke that goes too far or being mm. too ribald and you still have family guy in yeah, there family what guy, the yeah.
1: fuck about like three rape jokes per act yeah. now <laughs> i like, think well, i don't
2: know <laughs> i think uh, i i you would you sound like an executive right? uh, i would say make it different. two <laughs> i got extra <laughs> inventory you need more rape jokes
3: well i would say a big difference is that matt Groening, whenever he's pissed at executives he goes to the press and says these guys suck.
2: He's a tattler.
3: Seth MacFarlane is knows how to play ball. He's and, a good and, boy. Yeah. He wanted to
2: eventually have his own Star Trek, so he played ball. <laughs>
3: he did, and that's why he <laughs> makes more shows than Matt Groening does. Like yeah. it, this is not. It is not a judgment. I'm not calling him uh, Seth Far- MacFarlane some suck up or whatever. Yeah. Orville really good. He works hard. He works hard. Blah blah blah. Seth MacFarlane's not the worst person ever. But anyway, <laughs> uh, I did want to mention uh, David Cohen as well because he was. We just recorded the Trials of Hearts 6, which is such a Futurama oh, episode. Yeah. His, his segment, Homer Squa- Cubed, mm-hmm. is for sure. Tons of nerdy ass math jokes, CGI, and also like a, a Professor Farnsworth, the most farnsworthy frank ever too oh for
1: sure he is farnsworth in that segment
3: and what i didn't know about cohen in his time working on the simpsons in season seven six seven and eight that he was would have been a showrunner too at least in the in our interview with mike scully he mentions that mike scully felt had david cohen stuck around that him and scully would have co-ran season nine because they co-ran a lot of rooms under josh and bill hmm, on season seven and eight right. of the simpsons but david graduated i wonder too if i was like if i was a simpsons writer who wasn't tapped by matt Groening to make a new show i would have been very jealous i'm like <laughs> what's the matter with me i could help you with the show though cohen is such a fucking dork that it's perfect for that yeah, like that's, a science dork. That's the way
2: he made it sound in an interview I heard with him that he, like, Matt was very specific. He wanted to do a show set in the future who was mm-hmm. the biggest sci-fi nerd and the one sitting in the writer's room was like, I know all this yeah. stuff. Uh, and, and yeah, and like, he also brought us Poochie, didn't he? Yeah, he yeah. wrote the Poochie yeah. episode.
1: And this is the most overeducated writer's room for a comedy yep. show. There are three PhDs, and I think, seven people with master's degrees. Mm-hmm. And yeah, my God. Yeah, I all just, Harvard like, jerks. A bunch of big dorks writing the dork yes. show. So it's only appropriate. They
3: took Ken Keeler. Ken Keeler, fresh off of Destroying the Simpsons, <laughs> the Popper. That's a joke. You say in jest. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes. Oh. But Ken Keeler wrote that episode, Armin Tamzarian, and then went to Futurama and I think it's fitting that he is the, after the credits the first name you see because he became a co-executive producer in the Comedy Central season and
2: co-ran the show. I believe uh, Bill Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk's brother who finished his PhD and immediately started working on Mr. Show and right when that was (laughs) cancelled bounced over to Futurama. And
3: then when that got cancelled to Simpsons.
2: To Simpsons. Yeah
3: and also another of my favorite writers on the show is Lou Morton who, he is not a PhD dude but he was a writer on News radio who was a gamer like on news radio commentaries they talk about how like they, Lou Morton and the other guys would stay up all night playing uh, versus Doom against each other. And then at like 1 a.m. they're like, well, let's write that script down like <laughs> guys and then just stay up the rest L- of the night.
2: Lou Morton also won the award for greatest old-timey name. It's a great yeah, name. I think you wrote a lot of the Lou comic Morton. books too. I'm yeah, pretty he sure. did. Lou Morton did, yeah. So other
1: background info, I didn't dig up too much. I dug I dug up what I could find. And uh, Matt Groening had some other proposed titles uh, for this series. Uh, originally it was going to be called Aloha Mars mm. and also Doomsville. But uh, Futurama is actually named after uh, General Motors exhibit at the 1939 World's Fair.
2: It was yes. a peek into
1: the world of tomorrow of 1959. <laughs> I have a
2: terrible clip of it, but I really, really love that shit. I watched almost the whole thing. There's a 23-minute uh, film you can watch based on General Motors' presentation for that 1939 World's Fair. Like a, a push-button kitchen? Wow. And no. Uh, oh, is it no. all about cars? No. Yes. Okay. It's, it's like a, they built a giant model. They're, they're trying to show you it's way more boring and about agriculture and highways. Than it is about the push button future you're going into, and it's oh. it's also envisioning this. Behold the 1960s. <laughs> uh, I, you can hear an I optimistic clip if you want to. Oh sure, it doesn't say Futurama in it, but uh, this is this is this is describing the Futurama Pavilion. And if you listen to me on other shows, I do. I, I miss this time of optimistic America. Like, we would like to all, mm-hmm. we would like to really invest in our futures and look forward to something. Cause well, we it don't... is
3: funny that as Hitler was rising to power in
2: Germany, they're, they're like, look at this future. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I love this stuff. I, I, I go to sleep watching stuff like this.
4: To help us get a glimpse into the future of this unfinished world of ours, there has been created for the New York World's Fair a thought provoking exhibit of the developments ahead of us the greater and better world of tomorrow that we in America are building today. A vivid tribute to the American scheme of living, whereby individual effort, the freedom to think, and the will to do have given birth to a generation of men who always want new fields... Just men. ...for
2: greater accomplishment. White men. Yes. Wow.
1: Yes, so, yeah, that it's great to like, think... Guys,
2: there <laughs> is a one black guy in that video, but he is a train porter. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: great to think all those people wandering around in their nice straw hats while, like, Hitler's pulling up into Poland with his bros. <laughs> yeah. But also
3: that it, it was... That reminded me of, like, Andrew Ryan in Bioshock, of mm-hmm.
2: just, like, men striving to create... Bigger and better things. Well, it's just... I feel like... Men! But we still left that era. Of course I love Disneyland stuff. It's
3: It's inspiring in
2: a way. Small World is like one of the only remnants you have from what the World's Fair was. But Mm -hmm. Tomorrowland is also what it was supposed to be. And that was a showcase. It got too corporate and that kind of killed it Mm because it became a showcase for new products rather than like... Let's try and imagine the coolest future in technology we can.
3: Well, it's expensive to update Tomorrowland. You kind of do mm-hmm. need to
2: subsidize it with some, with an oil company. Yeah, or something. I don't know. I know. I, I'll shut up. But Is I, that Tomorrowland always, just yeah. Star Wars now? Like, all No, yeah, I, I thought that's what they were going to do. I, huh. I would have bet money on it, mm-hmm. but instead they're building a new land.
3: They're just making their own Star Wars. Well, you know, another thing about this, though, it reminded me of from the beginning. My favorite oh my god. Tex Futurama Avery. could be Tomorrowland. Futurama no. now a Disney product, and it could totally take over Tomorrowland. Oh my god! That is true. Oh my I, god. Uh, okay, but this also does remind me though of the um, the Tex Avery, uh, <laughs> the, the House of, House of Tomorrow, of Tomorrow. Yes. Oh, the, the Push Button Future
2: cartoon. The
1: Suicide Booth is uh, based on a Donald Duck cartoon. It is based on the yeah. Donald
2: Duck cartoon. Um, modern, modern. Oh my god! I wrote it down. Modern Marvels, uh, where a robot that sounds just like Pete. It, uh, it's mm. not so much. That Pete suicide. talked to him a lot of those things. Yeah, it's uncredited, but it's Donald Duck trying out all these coin-operated... Apparatuses, but what Donald mm-hmm. also does is he ties the coin to a string uh, like Bender does uh, yeah. in, in this cartoon. It's a direct reference to him. I, I just Dimensions?
3: love this feel of the old cartoons they put yes. in there. But uh, another thing I had read about the
2: making of this is 1937's that modern invention. Sorry.
3: That Ma- so we heard Mac Rainey and Cohen started working on this three years before the episode finally right. aired. Mm-hmm. There is honestly over prep in it, I would say, but it's also why it's so dense with stuff. They had so many secrets in this. There is both the secret of how Fry got into his cryo chamber, which like Nibbler's shadow is on screen for just a second. There is also the mystery of Leela and the mutants slasher right. outer space thing. And so and then they're like, oh, we should have a will they, won't they thing. All these stuff that like Simpsons had none of that stuff. There's what? a linearity to it that Simpsons would
2: never have. I think Futurama, and it's evident in its pilot, it's a response to to the response to The Simpsons. Hmm. So they want to start manufacturing things that people can speculate over, immediately create a language hmm. that's hidden in the background. Yeah,
3: that Alienese is right there from it's the right start. there. And
2: it was solved immediately. After the first airing. Yes, they, they had to create a... That's the first... AL-1, I think they call it. Uh, the, I, I love... I want to just say this. I think this is one of the best pilots I've ever seen.
1: I think so too. It's up there with Last Man on Earth for me as uh, laying the groundwork. Although I will say, all the things they said up about the world don't matter anymore after this. Like the whole thing about the career chip, that whole element yes. of this of this uh, of this universe. Society is, is, is built. Is disposed of yeah. completely.
3: This in this and this and only this episode, the entire world is built on what your job is. Yeah, defines you. It is assigned to you. That never has happened. And I, like, they get new jobs like it's yeah. nothing <laughs> all the time. In, in, in
1: season three, they make fun of the idea of the career chip. Lila's like, don't you remember our career chips? That's how I met you. <laughs> oh,
3: yeah, that's
2: right. Yeah. Redcon, a bunch of stuff, but there's all these hidden things in the pilot. Yes. Like, Slurm is there from the beginning. There's these mm. rewarding continuity things that happen within this pilot. I mean, I think Grain even admits, like, we
1: overprepared. Totally. As Henry said, like, they had so much of a story bible written. Like, all of these things they eventually wanted to do mm. were figured out from the Which beginning. they
3: would unfold over time. And yeah. you'd be like, wow, that's. Uh, uh, Simpsons never did that. Yeah. They did not unfold this yeah. information. I imagine
2: Cohen, maybe more so than Matt, looked at how people were responding to certain gags being discovered in The Simpsons and mm-hmm. started to start designing things with that in mind. Yeah.
3: And, that, and that's another thing about this pilot is that the show is so dense that. Really, Episode 1 and 2 are a pilot together because Mm -hmm. this only has space to really introduce the entire high-concept world and then Fry, Leela, and Bender, and Farnsworth. But all the other Planet Express folks who will be in every episode after this... They have yeah, to sure. like, that's got to be episode two. We got no time for these. Yeah, I
1: mean, episode one is like five minutes of introduction and then like 15 minutes of a chase scene yeah. showing yes. you different parts of yeah, the world. So true. it's very, it's very interesting. A
3: chase scene to oh. introduce the world is pretty good. Yeah.
1: R- real pretty. I love this. I love this pilot. It is beautiful. So one last thing. The theme song is written by Christopher Ting, of course, as mm-hmm. with all the original music. But they wanted to get this song, Psych Rock by Pierre Henry. It's one of the first uh, pioneering electronical music songs, electronical, electronic music songs. <laughs> I like <laughs> and it sounds a lot like the Futurama theme they wanted to clear it but it cost too much especially for something they would play in every episode Mm -hmm. so here is what they based the Futurama theme on it's very similar
2: There I'm surprised go. somebody didn't get sued. Yes, that exactly. very, very similar. Chris, is that Spider-Man. is a song Spider-Man.
1: in Mean Girls, not the Futurama that, that's, theme. <laughs> I knew, I thought the exact same thing. Yes, so...
3: <laughs> no, ours goes ding, ding, ding. It's not ding. the same. It's not the same. It, the same. it,
1: it is, yeah, I think they have the case on their hands even now, but yeah, it's it's pretty, uh, I mean, it's a great song and I would want to rip it off and it oh, fits the theme very well.
3: Oh, I had one more production behind the scenes thing to say too, that the animation oh, yeah. was uh, done at Rough Draft, no longer with Film Roman, who do the simpsons they went with rough draft the korean studio started by greg vanzo uh who him and his brother worked on a lot of the 90s animation but they moved over to korea just to just do it themselves like why are we we have all these middlemen in Seoul. We should just move to Seoul and run our own animation studio. That's right. And then, meanwhile, they got Rich Moore, who mm-hmm. was a Simpsons director from seasons one through four, including Monorail, Marjorie's Monorail, then would be the director, the series director on The Critic, and then would kind of float around a little bit in between The Critic and Futurama, but we'll come back strong with Futurama and... In a way, there is a proto-Futurama collaboration in the Critic pilot episode. Oh, for sure. Because Beauty and King Dork, with the first like CG in an animated sitcom I believe they just put it in there and that was Greg Vanzo and Rough Draft doing the early kind of work that they would do a lot of in every episode of Futurama 5 years later.
1: Yeah, and they were pioneers of digital 2D animation as well because mm-hmm. they made the MTV show The Max, which is Oh yeah. there's so very pretty. little animation in it but it's it, it looks good and mm-hmm. it and it moves well and it's fun to watch. Like mm-hmm. they were able to turn that into a great animated show.
3: And Futurama was digital from day 1. The Simpsons yeah. would take i believe four or five more years before they went exclusively digital on this yeah i think so yeah and uh and this episode is written by graining and cohen is credit and the directors are credited rich moore and uh and greg vanzo though i also forgot that i had thought that cohen shared the co-creator credit on this but just like the simpsons it is created by matt Groening, mm-hmm. developed, developed by, by Groening okay. and david
1: x cohen He should have gotten the creator credit too. Yeah, I know. Come on, split up the money greening.
0: 30th Century Fox. hurtled A thousand years into the future, one man discovers everything he's dreamed of. Tourist. The adventure.
5: Are you interested in becoming my new crew?
0: Or what happened to the old crew? Oh, those poor sons of The Romance.
5: Strip naked and get on the probulator.
0: The danger. We
5: have yeah, you partially surrounded.
0: From the creator of the Simpsons, Futurama, premiering Sunday after The Simpsons on Fox.
2: Just while we're in the credits, I want to in color. Good, mm-hmm. I love it. In, good in color gag. Uh, but the the show an awesome old public domain cartoon uh, <laughs> that that was Futurama's couch gag. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and this and- one opens with Little Buck Cheeser. <laughs> I never. There heard. is little a wiki that,
1: that lists all of these. The, by the way.
2: dot org has <laughs> them all. Like has tracked them all down. It is a Happy Harmony cartoon, and I. Oh, great. At a glance, not a lot of information on any of this stuff. So I'm glad someone went to the trouble because I love, you know, I love old timey
3: cartoons. Also, this episode is the rare one that starts with a cold open. Mm, That's
2: right.
1: No theme until the end. So here are the first words spoken in Futurama
5: Space. It seems to go on and on forever. But then you get to the end and the gorilla starts throwing barrels at you. And that's how you play the game.
0: You stink, loser. Hey, fry. Pizza going out. Come on.
1: <laughs> yeah, so that's the very intro of Futurama, cold open. Uh I, I very love Star it. Star Treky.
3: Yeah, I love the first thing we hear is Fry's voice. He is mm-hmm. the main character. Second thing we hear is that he's a loser who stinks, uh-huh. which is true about Fry. And then we get to see his boss, who will not be a regular character, but who will appear quite a lot. And every time he appears again, he is more disgusting while making
1: yes. it. Like, quit picking that nose and knead that dough. That's a great John DiMaggio voice. Yes, yeah. yeah, so the series has like three minutes to establish who Fry is in the present. The present the being 1999.
3: Present. Yeah, and that the that opening is such a great trick the first time you watch it especially okay imagine kids yeah it's march 28th 1999 you have been seeing tons of ads for this show futurama that in (laughs) among other things promises you amazing 3d animation like you've never seen on a network sitcom and the first thing you see is an 8-bit spaceship barely moving. Like,
1: I, I just love the title Monkey Frackus Jr. It's so great. Uh,
3: just the the Donkey Kong monkey throwing barrels is beautiful. And though this... I'll also say the name of this episode messed me up in searching for this on fucking Kazaa. Because... Ah. <laughs> Well, so this is a big difference between my experience with this and The Simpsons. Uh I did tape the episodes that aired the same night as The Simpsons, which were only the first two. After that, I did have trouble following it, and I didn't tape it regularly. So when it came time to watch Futurama, I was going to steal it off of file-sharing services. I was there.
2: Should have used Morpheus.
3: But every time, I think I switched between the two. File donkey? (laughs) Was that real? Uh, uh, Emule. Emule. File donkey.
1: must be the Simpsons parody. (laughs) But
3: you'd get it by, that's when I finally started learning the episode names for these things, because that was how the files were titled. And I thought, oh, I've watched every episode oh, but wait, what's Space Pilot 3000? And I click on, like, you should call this episode one or the pilot. It's The it word me, pilot's in the title. It made me think it was about a cool episode about a, him
1: becoming a pilot. They were being clever about it, perhaps too clever. But <laughs> too yes, clever by half. Fry, uh, at this point in the series, he is not defined by his stupidity. He's defined by being just sort of a loser. mediocre loser. Mm-hmm. And in this opening scene, we see his girlfriend leaves him. He has nowhere to live. His girlfriend will show up in season two, played by Sarah Silverman. I, forget, I think she just played by Tress McNeil Tress. In, this, yeah. in this little scene.
3: Tress is the go-to woman for most voices. Is on the show. Most famous is Mom. Yeah. And, but
2: uh, I know we were all super nerds about. Ren and Stimpy made me want to learn everything about animation, mm-hmm. which made me learn everything about voice acting, which introduced me to a man named Billy West. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I knew who Billy West was at this point, and this seemed like his big break, and it was like, just made me so. So fucking
3: happy because in both, well, Billy West had abandoned
2: Doug. Like
3: that Doug movie we talked about, he wasn't in it. They recast him at Disney, and Disney
1: had to pay like four people to replace him. Yeah, because they wouldn't give him what he was asking.
3: Because he's fucking Billy West, and he's worth it, man. And that Billy Billy West is such like a goofball and a dork. Mm -hmm. He is. He is the Mel Blanc of our generation, which yeah. he intentionally wants to be. Yeah, and
2: he's a cartoon dork. Like, and it, yeah, a huge one. I swear, His WTF is both dude. fun and depressing. Yeah, you, you can hear him doing impressions of everybody. Be, you can also, like, how did you make water sound with your face? <laughs> like, you can just do anything. But now, after praising him, I will insult
3: him and say, like, yeah. I just, he shouldn't be a regular guy lead of a show. It's like, especially in this episode, as Fry, he's just like, I'm a regular guy. Me, Fry. It's like, he gets, Fry gets so much more character after this, but his pilot voice is...
2: Yeah,
1: he's pitching it up a little too much because he's like a yeah. man in his 40s playing a man in yeah.
3: his 20s.
2: It's almost Billy West's normal voice. It's, yeah. it's almost Close to
3: there. it. Yeah, it's it's Billy West in his 20s when he wasn't as depressed, but I also, I mean, yeah, you listen to WTF, Billy West learned his funny voices to entertain his depressed parents or else they would have
1: beat him. <laughs> Ooh, it's a bad childhood that turned to a good career.
3: Though, yeah, they did later what I also love in this basically origin scene of Fry, mm-hmm. you have his girlfriend who will then later reuse in another episode. You have his pizza guy boss who will appear a ton of times. If they thought of showing his dog, oh, they would have showed him too. But it reminds me of as a comic book nerd, I love Spider-Man, and new writers are always trying to find new things to mine from his past. So mm-hmm. they're like. Well, in Spider-Man's first appearance, any character that said one word in it, <laughs> someone did a story <laughs> oh, They're like, oh, Spider-Man asks True. out this girl named Sally in one panel. Well, we <laughs> got to make her regular in this flashback series. So it's the same deal. Like, this is such a primordial moment in the show that there's always tons of cool nostalgia you can go back to just by pulling yeah, I any never, character
2: out of this. I never noticed for years that there's a shadowy figure near Fry when he yeah. falls into the... The, i mean i didn't know until the commentary uh, the, mm-hmm. the cryo
1: tube but just an ice like a shadow of an ice stock which could be which could be anything yeah. could be a
2: shadow of anything until you meet nibbler you know but they said it was intentional like yeah. we wanted to set up something if, if we knew people are going to pick this apart
1: another
3: distracting thing in this episode is just the it takes me back to the being on the precipice of pre-9-11 and not knowing it of just <sighs> like Boy, oh these late 90s times and that's
2: like, sorry that's an excellent point too because You'll never you'll never be able to recreate this but remember how scared everybody was of 2000 oh yeah both scared in that like we thought it would mean something more than it did like we were, I remember just from when I was born, like, I'm going to live to see the year 2000, <laughs> and when it, we got up to it, there's all this Y2K crap that's scaring the hell out of you. Well, this
1: show is very much built around the excitement over 2000, yeah. like the, the giddiness over a new a new century. We're living through a new century. And
2: I was there, and I lived it, and I swear to Christ, I can't explain it to you. It's like <laughs> it's like cheering the clock turning 12. Uh, there <laughs> were new
1: kinds of SpaghettiOs.
2: That's <laughs> uh, basically it. All of a sudden, we got a fantastic new kind of New Year's fun glasses. Oh,
3: um, man, two, finally. Yeah, yeah, those two zeros. So now it's gone. I, we can't that's do about it. it I think
1: I spent the night on the phone with my first girlfriend Whoa. who doped me. <laughs> so, uh, Fry is pranked, and that's how he makes it to the future.
5: Hello, pizza delivery for uh, Icy Wiener. Oh, crud. I always thought by this point in my life I'd be the one making the crank calls. Here's to another lousy millennium.
0: He's Otro. U. Mi One. one. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And he's locking the tube for a thousand so, years. So
3: what we as viewers don't see is that Nibbler called the, in that order to bring him there. And Nibbler gives him the extra shove to, uh, to oh, fall right. into it. Though also under that desk, and we will later find out, is not just Nibbler, but also Fry. Fry <laughs> is there who will give himself... The shove from the future—that when they get into time travel, it really like f- starts fucking with. It. There's a reason they held off on time travel for in continuity until Roswell that ends well. In yeah, season three. It's
2: an excellent episode. And yeah.
1: that uh, that image of Fry in the tube, like frozen, holding a beer, mm-hmm. was like the first thing Matt Greening drew, like mm-hmm. as an idea for the series. And I, I, I like mean, it, it's a great shot as New York is destroyed, rebuilt as a medieval city, and then uh, destroyed <laughs> again <laughs> to in be ben- new New York.
3: And in Bender's big score, we'll be. Be revealed that that is Bender flying those ships mm-hmm. to chasing after oh Fry God. and destroying things. Like I said, it's like comic books. They have to explain every joke with in another episode. I also think
2: that comes from all the stop and starts they had. Because yeah, they yeah. get these weird ideas. Like, wouldn't it be crazy if we did this? If they, it was an, on, <laughs> I think an ongoing show wouldn't have go, like, gone into that kind of detail.
3: Oh, and you know, another thing about Fry's design, just like Homer with the M and oh, S, yeah. or M and G in it, Fry, his ear is the G, and his cowlick is the to mm. put in the Mac grading. No, then I love it too. Uh, cool yeah, he—he
2: he, I was reading that des- he's designed after uh, James Dean in mm. Rebel Without a Cause. That's right. He's wearing the same outfit. He's wearing the same outfit, and I—I I forgot this that he's named for Phil Hartman. I yes. think
1: he's also named, uh, so the protagonist of The Simpsons is Homer, named mm-hmm. after Homer Groening. Mm-hmm. Homer Groening's full name is Homer Philip Groening. So, oh, okay. And Homer Groening died in 1996 when they started uh, working on the show, Aww. so I think this is also a tribute to his father well, as it, well.
2: It's, it's it, both. It, well, Phil was supposed to be right, right. Uh, Zappa, Brannigan. Zappa Brannigan and died. Uh, that's, why died? He's, yeah.
3: that's why he's drawn to look like Troy McClure and why Phil Billy West does a Phil Hartman yeah. type voice for it, because he would have been him. I think they probably recorded some stuff with him before because he was murdered not long before the series 98? in 98 so yeah may of 98 so they would have been recording stuff the, at that yeah. time Had it
2: not happened we'd have phil at Brannigan, and you would have had curtis j fry mm-hmm.
3: yeah <laughs> well th- this wasn't a disagreement i had had with dave rudden and mm-hmm. that <laughs> we would get uh explained to us by an un uh an unexpected source so I had always heard "icy wiener" as "icy y wiener." That's the joke. Is in a cold wiener. <laughs> now, Dave Rutten, meanwhile, he told me I thought that was the joke. Was "I space s e e wiener" as, as in I
1: have witnessed who, the wiener. I have <laughs> witnessed
2: the wiener. I see wiener. I'm a wiener. Witness me.
3: Now we had a disagreement on that, and I was like, "Oh, maybe it is that." And then. Eric Rogers, who was a writing assistant in the first season of Futurama, who would later become a writer on Futurama, he said, "I was in the room. It is." Icy, as in cold, because not of the cryogenic. It because huh. it's a cryogenic slabs. Holy so shit! Oh, that, yeah. that's explained right there by old Eric Rogers. So thanks, Eric.
1: On Twitter, someone told me there's a future joke that the name is D, as in the letter D. Defrosted Wang. <laughs> so yeah, I think they were going for the the frozen wiener. So fries in the future, and I think he likes it.
5: Future My parents, my co-workers, my girlfriend. I'll never see any of them again.
1: Excellent.
3: <laughs> I love that intro shot of seeing the big city, like all of it in CG. It's them showing off. They're like, "Yeah, this is uh, what this show's yeah. gonna be." The citizens
2: wouldn't do this, baby. Even on this viewing, like the the opening is surprisingly subdued. Like mm. I thought this looked better. <gasps> oh, they waited. Yeah, yeah they, I mean, they, uh, they... I
1: mean, smartly. Well, they are. They have to copy. So the 3D models are copying 2D animation and mm-hmm. trying to look like 2D, which is why it holds up mm-hmm. because it's not trying to be like photorealistic 1999 era. It is mm-hmm. trying to ape a two-dimensional image, which is why
2: it still looks pretty good. Yeah, and as I obsess over things like Tomorrowland, mm. that's what the world of Futurama is to me. It's, it's, it's like the 1960s version of what we're living through now, and sucks.
3: In a, in a way, it was <laughs> cutting edge on Cell Shaded, just mm-hmm. like from uh, 1999. Well, it saw the release of the Dreamcast, but I think it was the next year that Jet Grind Radio came oh, really? out that was. I believe the previews came out for it, as because mm. I recall that Sega complain that like we showed this too early that everybody ripped us off (laughs) like that was that was their feeling but so this was also way ahead of the curve on that of having cell shaded you even see i was really impressed on first viewing in 1999 of seeing they don't move Mm -hmm. but in the pneumatic tubes the 3d models of the futurama characters going through i was like wow that's impressive yeah in the opening right yeah Yeah. right right there in that opening and also the opening is full of sign gags that are meant to be switched around they learned a ton from every show after the simpsons was like well what if we had a one-off gag we just change out every time like the chalkboard and the couch very modular but this one has like eight times the mod <laughs> modularity, modularity. yeah know, maybe
2: yeah. slurm is there from the very beginning
3: right there you slurm mm-hmm. bachelor chow mom's <laughs> oil all of it's there and you get uh well actually mentioning 9-11 that crash into the uh the screen at the very start after 9-11 for a little while they did not show oh, that you're right everybody was like Oh, if somebody sees a thing crashing into a building, it'll remind him of 9-11 and make him sad. And
2: that's not the only thing they edited out of this episode.
3: Well, oh, yes. Well,
2: let's get to it. We'll yeah. get to it. So, okay. yes, uh, Fry is unfrozen.
1: Uh, he's pretty happy about it, and he meets his fate reassignment officer, Leela.
0: Wait a minute.
4: Is that blimp accurate? <laughs> yep. It's December 31st, 2999. My God.
5: A million years.
4: I'm sure this <laughs> must be dumb.
5: very upsetting for you. You
1: <laughs> still dumb.
5: You know... I guess it should be, but actually, I'm glad. I had nothing to live for in my old life. I was broke, I had a humiliating job, and I was beginning to suspect my girlfriend might be cheating on me. <laughs>
4: well, at least here you'll be treated with dignity. Now strip naked and get on the probulator.
3: <laughs> so, uh, right before that, we see Terry of the World of Tomorrow guy who appeared in like a dozen other episodes of the yeah. show.
1: I didn't get the clip because it is, our, it is our now our news clip for every episode, so mm-hmm. you'll hear him a lot.
3: And I also love the gag, it's one of my favorite first future gags that sets up all later future gags on Futurama of, oh, this is just like Star Trek smashed in the face by the door. I
2: thought that gag was awesome.
3: I love it. It, you, You imagine... It is about imagining what the future is like and then humorously undercutting it. And that's the entire basis of Futurama. Mm -hmm. And especially that somebody... Mission Impossible
2: 4, nothing works. That
3: somebody (laughs) would say, oh, just like Star Trek. Like, that's... Though, as we know canonically, Star Trek is illegal to say in that's the world of Futurama... why the door
1: tried to stop him, Henry. It all oh, makes sense. you're right. It was trying to <laughs> cut him off before he got in trouble.
3: And that's also... Speaking Thank of run- you, door! <laughs> <laughs> speaking of running eggs in the Futurama world, hmm. it is quite a trope for Fry to be stripped naked and probe. We see a lot of torture. naked Fry. Gets, and then humiliated. <laughs> like When he gets put... In the robot insane asylum, he is stripped naked and probulated quite a lot. And I think they say on the commentary that originally they pitched, oh, Fry should just be naked the whole rest of the episode.
2: They wouldn't <laughs> give him clothes. I'm like, that's too weird. Oh, and something that struck me strange about this episode, and kind of my only complaint about it, is mm-hmm. like, did you notice how silent it is? Is there almost no yeah, yeah, score or music? Yeah, I think you're music? right. Yeah, that's it, like, a good point. It looks like you know those. You ever see like one of those South Parks? where They have to rush out, and there's like accidentally no score in the oh, first. Oh yeah, airing? or even sound effects. Yeah, sometimes. that's that's what this felt like. Yeah, they kind of or hold the Looney Tune show.
3: I I, I know <laughs> uh, Matt Groening really loves things to be like given space mm-hmm. to let a joke hit. So I think maybe that could explain why they kind of held back sounds. Yeah, there's so much, so many
2: overtures. Themes I'm used to hearing in Futurama that are not here at all. I
1: think there's just like, there's not enough time for establishing shots where you (laughs) would get that music, (laughs) so it has to move at a breakneck pace. So there's music during action, but most of the dialogue scenes are music-free, and again, not a lot of establishing shots. And if they are there,
2: they're very brief. There's no way to zoom in on Professor Farnsworth delivering good news. (laughs) haven't met him yet.
3: And also that Leela is, this really establishes Leela in not a great way for a character just like, well, what's Leela's character for the beginning? Well, she's a boring person who explains things and <laughs> is constantly saying, like, no, Fry, you have to do this. <laughs> and then Fry's like, I don't want to. I want to have fun and be silly. Like,. It took a while for the show to find more to do with Leela than just have her be the guy who saves, the person who saves Fry and the person who explains things to Fry and then says, Fry, please, you have to do this.
1: I think she starts out in the default setting for any adult female character in an animated sitcom where she is that person like just like Peggy Hill and just like Francine from American Dad. They eventually became like the best characters on the show, (laughs) but they were were stuck as sort of the boring like foil Mm -hmm. to the more interesting wacky characters.
3: And I do love when she sends him to farnsworth or tells him about farnsworth for the first time it is on black and white old printer paper oh, you're right shoots it off like that's i know this was in a world before tablets but it's just a, it's a great backwards ass thing there
1: that's the one thing no future show predicted was that everyone would be staring at a screen which yeah. i think yeah. was just too depressing of a prospect for anyone to think of oh the future mm. look at your screen all the time yeah. <laughs> maybe
2: star trek
3: <laughs> i would bet by the year 3000 that Tablet technology will just be like paper as well. They're like, oh, I'll just print you a tablet there. What? Look at this picture there. There'd just yeah. be a
1: tablet on your cornea. You'd be oh, just like, yeah, that's true. Opening tabs on your eyeball. Or oh,
3: I mean, we're just all dead. There could be that. <laughs> That's another
1: option. So yes, uh, this is part of the story, Bible, or part of the premise that we never really see again. In that. In this world, in this future world, you're given a job Hmm. from birth. It is assigned from birth. And if you don't do it, you are executed. Yep. Via sun cannon.
3: That is pretty wild. (laughs) Yes. It's a good joke, but when you extrapolate that to being defining society, it's like... Oh, that's a bummer. This is, this is actually a pretty, like, oppressive world here.
1: I mean, I can forgive them never using this again because it does constrain what the characters can do. But also, mm. I feel like for the first time, I don't know why it never hit me before, but it's like, oh, this episode is an, ex- is an exploration of free will, of the mm. power of free will. Yeah. And because everyone in this episode, Fry, Leela, and Bender, uh, they break free of their, like, uh, destiny or their fate, rather. And yeah. they, they decide to become a different thing.
3: In that way it is like a classic, like, sci- uh, sci-fi, story from the 50s of the a guy coming from the past who's like, don't you guys remember Freedom? <laughs> yes. Learn, learn! Except it's a very stupid guy which... oh, that's, they, it's,
2: it's filled it's, with sci-fi stuff from the past. The time travel sequence is like the time travel sequence in The Time Machine. Oh, which yeah, I always yeah. encourage animation fans to watch because it's not only great, right before that, that happens, you can hear Alan Young yeah. as, as a Scottish character. So no. it's the first time you'll hear Scrooge McDuck, <laughs> the original Scrooge McDuck coming out of a human's face uh, in that movie. Oh, you know,
3: also the you gotta do what you gotta do poster. That that guy shows
2: up a few times. It
3: reminds me of one of my favorite things that Futurama does, is that when they take a saying from current day and then show how people misunderstand Use and misunderstand it in the future, like we do with tons of like Shakespearean mm. terms. That were to thine own self and...
2: be true because mm-hmm. I'm, like, I'm a well, jerk. you gotta be cruel to be kind, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, come
1: on. yeah. You gotta do what you gotta do, it's not taken literally, like, or you will be executed. You have to do this.
3: <laughs> yes. The
2: chip is reminiscent of Lo- Logan's run, and yeah. the, oh, su- sure. the suicide booth. I love Soylent Green. Ah. Edward G. Robinson, right? Yeah, he commits his own suicide, and uh, L.V. Booth gets looks at wonderful imagery. I see. So oh. Fry gets a he gets a nice sort
1: of save the cat moment. I wrote the way. same fucking thing. Really, by save now. the this cat. Quote, save, save the, the cat, cat moment. because yes. it uh, he tricks Leela uh, into a cryo to escape when mm. she's trying to chip him. Mm-hmm. But instead of setting it to a thousand years, he gives her five minutes. So he mm-hmm. could have just doomed Leela to like uh, to wake up in the year four thousand. But it was a nice way to see like Fry is not a total dick. Yeah, you know, no, Fry has Fry has compassion for this woman who's also trapped mm-hmm. in a bad situation.
3: He cares for her, and it is the beginning of like. I guess I knew at this time, post Ross and Rachel, every show had to have a Will oh, they, yeah. will they thing. So the second mm-hmm. I was like, "Well, this is the first woman Fry meets, so they're probably going to be in a, a Ross and mm-hmm. Rachel situation." Shop, Shop around, <laughs> Fry. Uh, this one's got one eye. That, uh, I did like his bits on. Uh, let's deal with the eye. Yeah, the <laughs> is it about
1: my eye? Yes. She's, she is Officer One B D I. So that's pretty cool <laughs> that they gave her great. that designation.
3: And then the door smashes him in a different way. Yeah, which sideways. Is another right from the beginning. Much like Fry is a younger Homer in that he is very dumb and gets way dumb way fast, but also horrible violence happens to him all the time <laughs> it's okay to
1: hurt fry mm-hmm. yeah it's so only funny when he escapes via the like hamster habitrail like vacuum tubes we do see the one thing they change because of a celebrity death the original destination <laughs> for the uh, pedestrian was uh jfk junior airport mm-hmm. uh it was changed to radio C- radio city mutant hall even on the dvds
2: jfk had just died in a plane crash he would
1: die in a year and i'll yeah. say this rich people don't fly planes yeah <laughs> You'll die. A pilot maybe do you maybe don't it.
2: know how to fly a plane. You know what's
1: I'm, better than flying a plane? Yeah. Being rich and alive.
3: Yeah, <laughs> And paying someone to fly a plane for you. Exactly. Especially if you're a Kennedy. Don't yeah, take any yeah. chances. Don't take any chances. <laughs> just stay in a like a soft room the rest yeah. of your life. I
2: think it's more odd that it remains changed.
3: Yeah. I mean, I wonder. That feels like it was not just sensitivity, mm-hmm. but creator intent. Like that Matt Groening or David X. Cohen was like, This joke says a different thing now than we wanted it to say, and I don't want to say that. I just feel like... And I'd say Radio City Mutantall is maybe a better joke. It's
2: fine. It's a fun question. I could could see someone not having an interest in restoring it, but Mm -hmm. apparently if you live abroad, you still hear the JFK Jr. line. Yeah,
3: I mean, you can find it if you really want to hear that line. But it's not on the the... new DVDs. Like, Americans
2: don't have the access. It makes
3: me feel like it's just grating. Like, this joke says a different thing now. It sounds like we're making fun of a guy crashing a plane, even though the gag is about JFK Jr. Airport is... JFK Airport is now jfk jr Mm -hmm. it's a cute thing and also on the signs we get slurm Mm -hmm. and we get angelina which is a parody of angeline the billboard model in la like it's only a local la joke if you drive Mm. if you would drive around la you would see this billboard for angeline a
1: advertising nothing yes
3: (laughs) just a platinum blonde with a pink lipstick who drives around la in her pink cadillac she is just a what? local character of L.A.
1: Yeah, and I think someone recently wrote a a story like uncovering like who Bus is this? Uncovered it, I believe. And I gotta it was. say, just leave her alone. I
3: just want a mystery. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to know where she went to high school or that she's Jewish. or yeah. any but of those things.
1: In the future, on a billboard, she is like breathing out of an oxygen tank, implying that she survived this long or something. Not
3: even to be ahead, but yeah. that she is still
1: in her body. <laughs> so uh, Bender wants to call his great great nephew Farnsworth. He gets in line for what he thinks is a phone booth.
0: Listen, buddy, I'm in a hurry here. Let's try for a twofer. <laughs>
4: Please select Mode of Death, Quick and Painless, or Slow and Horrible.
5: Yeah, I'd like to place a collect call.
4: <laughs> you have selected Slow and Horrible.
0: Good choice. <laughs> Ring it on, baby! <laughs>
1: That's a great act break.
3: I love that scream <laughs> and yeah. also like the rippling scream of mouth of, uh, of Fry Yeah, the well. characters
1: are allowed to be animated more than a Simpsons mm-hmm. character. They're allowed to pop between more extreme expressions,
2: you know, mm-hmm. you know, go off-model a bit. It's ultimately what I really like about Futurama. Yeah. It's allowed to be a cartoon a lot more than the Simpsons. I,
1: I also like, uh, Bender literally cheats death. <laughs> <laughs> he gets his quarterback. <laughs> and the, the final twist of the knife that comes yeah. out is slow and painful. It's yeah. just like, oh.
3: That 3D knife is beautiful. Like, you are now dead. But just
1: just think, all the people in line in front of Fry were murdered by the suicide booth. Yeah, no. they never
2: come out. Where did the bodies go? I don't know. Is an internal spray
1: <laughs> for like an extra quarter? You get cremated. I
3: also I do love that in the future things are still a quarter, and yeah, the, and the gag being such a 1930s cartoon gag of taking your quarterback yeah. with a string, and the Bender. Who, in his intention of like, well, I'll be dead, mm-hmm. he should just think like, I. why am I keeping a quarter? I'm going to be dead. It's because fuck you,
1: that's how <laughs> much of a cheat he is. No, <laughs>
3: knowing how durable Bender will be in future episodes, the things that come out of the suicide booth, I don't believe would kill him. Yeah. They would mangle him. They wouldn't kill him.
2: But then again, a reference to 1937's Modern Inventions. <laughs> a cartoon where Donald goes and uh, to try out the future and everything almost murders him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I also... Oh, mm-hmm. right
3: before the Suicide Booth, there's the pneumatic tube travel, which mm-hmm. is really just show-offy and has some cute gags in it. We get Blinky. blinky we blinky. get Blinky, though he's green, not orange. But uh, It's so
2: weird. It's still different blue. universe. Because they, ne- they, The Simpsons have never really entered in the Futurama universe. But oh, they will. Bender has it- showed up
1: on the Simpsons. No, 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 no but the, the yeah.
2: Futurama characters, yeah. I think the year after their last cancellation, Uh, yeah, sure. they appeared in the Simpsons in the 2016. Yeah, season?
3: Simpsons-rama, I believe it mm-hmm. is called. Not to be confused with future drama, a different Simpsons. Oh, <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> and bender also would have a one-off gag in another simpsons episode where he'd fall into a car that homer barter and he's like and then bender the voice with john dimaggio's voice says yay new friends and then homer says you're not invited and shoves him out of it <laughs> uh i also like the gag of the guys going tourist, be implying that I thought that's a great joke. It's like how you'd say these tourists don't understand mass transit in San Francisco. When, a, when an
2: asshole doesn't know how to get off the BART fast enough you always exactly, say that in your yeah. brain. You know, they
1: stand on the wrong side of the escalator. Yes. Boo. <laughs> yes. So yes, in case you missed it, the suicide booth is from the Stop and Drop uh, Corporation and we <laughs> <did> <laughs> see uh, Lila's very uh, poo like vo- uh, like boss yes. a decade after a poo, Ugh. it's still like no, voice him with a white guy. So that's <laughs> Billy West. Uh, Telling Lila to get back to work and she's on the way to find Fry and then we hear uh, Bender's backstory Which is very un-Bender-like.
0: Why would a robot need to drink? I don't need to drink. I can quit any time I want (laughs) So they made you a delivery boy, huh? Man, that's as bad as my job. Really? What do you do Bender? I'm a Bender. I've (laughs) been That's all I'm programmed to do. You any good at it? You kidding? I was a star. I could bend a girder to any angle. 30 degrees, 32 degrees, you name it. 31... But I couldn't go on living (laughs) once I found out what the girders were for. What? Suicide boots. Well, Fry, it was a pleasure meeting you. I'm gonna go kill myself. (laughs) Wait, you're the only friend I have. You really want a robot for a friend? Yeah, ever since I was six Well, okay But I don't want people thinking we're Robosexuals, so if anyone asks You're my debugger
1: So I've seen maybe Uh, a hundred episodes of uh, Futurama after this Bender should not care about the death of humans. He Should mm. be like reveling, like yes, I, I make yeah. things that kill humans, he, kill all humans. This
3: is a weird level of morality for the most yeah. amoral character in Futurama. This is
2: pre-emotion chip too. It's a much, <laughs> it even sounds like a much more subdued Bender. No, yeah. I mean
3: this. This Bender is a is John DiMaggio doing a voice of yeah. a blue collar worker. I think by the end of this season. Bender will just be John DiMaggio going like, (laughs) look at me, look, bop-a-doo, bop 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 He is
2: a wonderfully bizarre person to meet because... If, <laughs> yeah, if you're, if you're at a bar or a place with an open bar, let's say it is just Bender. Yeah. It is.
3: He, He's he, a fun guy. We accosted him once yeah. uh, outside of a Sweet show dude. at SF Sketch Fest. Really nice. We asked him for an ident for Talk Radar, our old, old, Ugh. old podcast. I'm embarrassed. And uh, <laughs> well, look, like, hey, you got to be a go-getter and ask for that, and he did it. He, did he was it. very nice. Oh, he did well. He yeah. was great. But
2: it, like, also as a big cartoon nerd, I love it when. I don't like I, what I had. My problem with recognizing Billy West is like, I know who this is already. Uh, mm-hmm. Ben John DiMaggio was a voice I'd never heard before. And I think I'm just scrolling through his IMDb. This is like his first year of voiceover. Yeah, He, yes. he was a straight actor before this. This
3: led him into the voice acting clique, which also let him be like, I, I, I'm not making a comment on John DiMaggio's body. What uh-huh. I'm saying is, if I had to be Hollywood fat, even meaning skinny, <laughs> I would be so happy to be like, oh, I can just be a voice actor now and just be, like, fat, fat? Awesome! Yay! No more caring about being in shape or having a nice haircut or facial hair. I think
1: I've always appreciated the one voice actor on a show who's kind of the outsider because you get a different take. It's less polished. It's less, uh, I guess, it's less uh, what you would expect. Like, People like John crick feluci doing Ren and Paul Rugg doing Freakazoid yes. and Justin Roiland and Thurrop Van whatever doing Flapjack. Like I love when creators or just outsiders are the, the voices of yeah. cartoon uh, characters. And, or
3: J.G. Thurwell on a yeah. uh, regular show. Yeah. That you get a very special type voice out of that. And we did mention uh, the, the voice of Leela as well. Yes. Yeah. Straight, oh, straight <laughs> off of Married with Children, which I think probably like just been canceled at that point. Or, yeah, 97, it, I think. Uh, Way okay.
1: too late for <laughs> yeah and. that
3: katie seagal mm-hmm. yes katie seagal sorry uh yeah that she it was keeping it in the fox family mm-hmm. unlike john dimaggio who just became a regular voice actor she still doesn't really do much voice acting i think the big thing she did after futurama was uh the biker show on yeah. fx
1: sons of anarchy, sons of anarchy. why but... i always
2: predict speaking of voice actors it's why i always predict that we have not seen the end of futurama because mm. the voice cast seems to love going places and doing anything. You do not see the cast Mm. of The Simpsons showing up many places, meeting fans and doing the voices in person. You
3: know, that's true. Yeah, though I I would also bet that it's because the Futurama guys never got paid $300,000 an episode. (laughs) That's true. Maybe, I I bet they get paid well. I think actually a a brief holdout on bringing the show back on Comedy Central was they weren't originally going to pay the voice actors what they mm. were worth and then they did it, which was good. But
1: yeah. I think while uh, the next show Disenchantment is in the works uh, and while it airs, I think Futurama is definitely on hold though because mm-hmm. it's like, it's it's a lot of Futurama people on that show, right?
3: Yeah, I think a lot of the same animators. The David X. Cohen is a consultant on the show. Mm. The show is being show ran by Josh Weinstein who coincidentally was a creative consultant in the early years of Futurama. So That's it's right. been a switcheroo of sorts for Cohen and Weinstein on the show. But the uh, end in this scene is the slurm and alienese in the background, which everybody used to decode it there because it was a copy of the English language slurm ad pre <laughs> earlier in the episodes, so like, okay, then this letter is this, this letter is mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. And uh, again, continuity. No, nerd. no. But when Bender says he can stop drinking anytime he wants, no, robots run on alcohol. He needs to drink. He doesn't, he can't, unless he still intends to die and that is stopping whenever he wants,
1: Bender needs to drink. Well, I mean, it is funny because it's a, that's a line an alcoholic would tell you. Yes, <laughs> you know, anytime yeah, I want, I can just stop drinking. But to escape Leela, they go to the Head Museum, which is free on Tuesdays, and meet a very familiar friend.
0: Welcome to the Head Museum. I'm Leonard Nimoy. Spock? Hey, hey, do the thing! <laughs> I don't do that anymore.
5: This is unbelievable. <laughs> what do you heads do all day?
0: We share our wisdom with those who seek it. It's a life of quiet dignity. Feeding time! Just <laughs>
3: little jumping for it.
1: So Head flakes. <laughs> Yeah, so Leonard Nimoy, we don't have a death jingle yet, but he is dead. Yeah. Dead. He died in what, like 2014, 2013? Yeah, a yeah. few,
2: yeah. few years from this recording. I a know real there, bummer. Was,
1: there was a laser time about Leonard Nimoy. You can hear about the Battle of Bilbo Baggins. I, I, in Leonard, search of. Yeah.
3: <laughs> I love Leonard Nimoy when he was alive, but when he passed away, it made me really realize, like, boy, he was great. Like, he yep. was just a constant in our lives, seemingly never had any scandals we heard about, so a, good, a good guy, too, and that he would... He had a great sense of humor about himself. He's doing this after two Simpsons appearances. That's he right. What he was in for. Though obviously now that he is gone, this living death as a head in a jar, which was already a morbid joke. You don't
2: know that it's not happening. Ah.
3: It, he could be dug up and reanimated as a head in a jar. It's not to say it wouldn't happen. They which, chopped
1: off his head before he died and put it in a jar.
3: This is an ingenious... Invention to yeah. get current day guest stars in mm-hmm. the year three thousand as themselves. Like, well, how are we going to get Conan O'Brien or Weird Al Yankovic in here or Al Gore? Well, they got to be ahead in a job. You put
1: them a on a robot body too, if you want. Yeah,
3: just. Yeah.
2: That Nixon shows up this early. Yes. A, I completely forgot that. As he will soon be president of the world, I think. Yeah, um, but it's what a great device to like continue kicking someone you hate.
1: <laughs> and also, what a simpler time when Nixon was the worst president. I mean, Jesus <laughs> when, when Christ.
2: When I
3: saw the jar head presidents, I was like, now I have to imagine Trump is there, just off screen. Yeah, they didn't draw him in. He gets but... the biggest jaw, <laughs> and <laughs> we do get. To, yeah, they. I get well, the most fish food. He does have the biggest head. I would bet it. <laughs> he really does, pre- president.
1: It's a real pumpkin head on that. Guy. <laughs>
3: but the, but I, I love. I'll just praise it now. We'll have a million excuses to it, but. Billy West Nixon is so great. Like, oh,
1: <laughs> it's, oh, it's based burr. on Anthony Hopkins in the movie <laughs> Nixon, because uh, Billy West uh. says he, it sounds like he's turning into a werewolf as Nixon. That's why he, that's why he
2: literally goes, oh, <laughs>
1: Charleston Chew. Oh, <or laughs> oh. oh.
3: Nice and jelly. I fucking, I love that so uh, much. But and one thing about, biting oh. their
2: yes, like, in
1: the one uh, thing about the Larry Nimoy th- appearance, that introduction, I think it is a parody of in search of, which only comedy writers who grew up in the seventies were, with I've never yeah. seen it. It's on the Springfield Files. That's what the framing device is. Hello, yeah. I'm Leonard Nimoy. That's exactly what the In Search of is. Uh, the only other reason I've
3: watched one episode of In Search of the Bigfoot one is because in one of the jo- in the first John Hodgman book, uh, areas of my expertise. He has a very specific joke about the Bigfoot episode of In Search Of. I was like, well, I should just watch this. I've got It's 2005. I have YouTube now. I'll watch this. I
2: found it through a Tenacious D-Lyric. Ah. That was a kick-ass In Search Of.
3: Only children of the 70s give a shit about (laughs) that stuff. We're children of the 80s. Yeah.
1: We know. The 70s were awful. So, Bender and Fry hide behind a wall of heads in the two spots that are open, and here we see... real cartoon joke. Yes. uh, The heads that are are legible, I guess, are Johnny Carson, uh, David S. Cohen is there. Jillian Anderson, David Duchovny, Liz Taylor, Dennis Rodman, Matt Groening, and Barbara Streisand. Nice.
2: There's only yes. one dead guy. I
1: was glad they got their cameos out of the way early. And that's where uh, Lila uh, knocks frying to Nixon, <laughs> who breaks the... I guess they can live outside the jars. I never really thought of it that mm-hmm. much.
3: Though that So that's another thing, though. The... Uh, this introduces early on in first episode that Leela is meant to be a kung fu badass. Yeah, that, that we, is her thing. She can kick, yeah, Inimus she has piggy, Miss
1: Piggy powers. True.
3: <laughs> Damn, you're right. Hi-ya! And this was the first time I got the joke of, "Hey, eyeball, keep your big nose out of this. Nobody makes fun <laughs> of my, my nose. nose. Yeah. Not I. Obviously, the joke is." She should be sensitive about her eye, which she is, but mm-hmm. instead, it's the nose comment.
1: And there's a great little, uh, so Leela has her moment of change, and it really speaks to the mm-hmm. uh, the message of free will in this episode, where the cops are beating Fry and Bender with their wimpy laser batons. And too, That's such a great gag. You're thinking like,
3: oh, lightsabers, they sound like them, and just claw, claw, <laughs> They're claw, just like claw. wiffle ball
1: bats yep. almost.
3: They're a baton,
1: which you club people with. But Leela is, like, chastising the police officers, like, don't be brutal. And they, they say you got to do what you got to do. And yeah. that's the eye-opening moment, no pun intended, for Leela. Like, uh, maybe this 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 fake crap or this predetermined fake crap is not good. I also
3: me. love the gag of her saying, like, you can't be that vile." He's like, it's our job. We're peace officers. Oh, mm-hmm. well, that's <laughs> and, right. And, yeah, that's, that's what made this moment for the first time in my viewing of this feel like, classic one-off sci-fi stories of everybody conforms in the future and you need a man from the past to tell you like wait no it's, you, it's to make you realize
1: how different things are you need that fish out of water so bender and fry hide in the hall of criminals i don't think any of these criminals are actually criminals maybe mm. they thought these jokes could be too dark if it's like jeffrey Dahmer's head <laughs> yeah. or john wayne gacy's head but they are so trapped. just sketchy
3: dudes
0: oh we're trapped <laughs> <laughs> Wait a second. You're a
5: bender, right? We can get out of here if you just bend the bars.
0: Dream on, skin tube. I'm only programmed to bend for constructive purposes. What do I look like, a debender? bender <laughs>
5: Who cares what you're programmed for? If someone programmed you to jump off a bridge, would you do it? I'll have to check my program. Yep. <laughs> Open up! Come on, bender. It's up to you to make your own decisions in life. That's what separates people and robots from animals and animal robots you're full of crap
0: fry you make a persuasive argument fry
1: so fry can not convince bender but uh being electrocuted does convince bender
0: yeah
3: this uh also bender's ai gets much more imaginative in later ones but this gag here of the bender had to be electrocuted to basically rewrite his programming uh maybe you could read it as Oh, this is why Bender is an amoral sociopath. Every moment from this point on. <laughs> Though I am certain there are flashbacks to Bender before he meets Fry being a horrible monster and like stealing. I what defines Bender for me is amorality is when Fry is thinks yes. he's dead. He's like, and I know more than once he tried to steal my blood. <laughs> but I miss. I wish Bender was back.
1: Well, he makes them have a uh, have a fake funeral for him so he can watch it. That's like right. right. He goes yes. louder yeah. and sadder. sadder.
3: And, and yes, that. But this is Fry affecting Leela and Bender at the same time. Yeah, it's is, very good storytelling. It is for a one-off episode. And this is not who Fry is to anyone in any future episode. He is not an inspiration no. for basically <laughs> ever again.
1: No, I it's do more love
3: a, d- a disgusting rock bottom.
1: So they escape to the sewer to go to uh, old New York. And oh, I love the no. little joke where Bender is so excited to bend a new thing, but he doesn't have to, but he does anyway. So yeah. <laughs> Fry just opens the sewer grate and then Bender reaches up and bends the bars <laughs> for no reason. I
3: just love Bender's. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> and and I also, just the dynamic of a. That makes it so different in The Simpsons that. No, the two leads in The Simpsons, if you could call them that, I guess it would be Bart and Homer. They are not equals. They are not roommates. They are not buddies. It is father and son dynamic, so one is socially above the other. But in this, they're equals. Fry and Bender are the same on the same level and are just buddies. And so you get more buddy shtick with them. And you can also even say that like Bender kind of looks more like Homer, but Fry is oh, for more sure. of Homer. It's like Bender yeah. got all of the drunkenness of Homer <laughs> while Fry is the stupid, stupid. and also food monster. Indulgence. He definitely in, in, yeah. indulged. Yes. Except he's younger and played video games that are yeah. somewhat current.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I, I hate. I love Beneath the Planet of the Apes so anytime mm. you have an underground version of New York that somehow has a roof over it yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm behind it 100%. the only
3: negative is there's no mutants here not yet. yet I was going to say that this
2: is where the mutants the live States. and mm. we'll see a lot more
1: mutants in future visits to old New York
3: that was uh, something I I guess I should save it for the mutant episode but I had never seen Beneath the Planet I hadn't seen Beneath the Planet of the Apes before I watched you the mutants poor episode. bastard so there's that great joke in it like you guys worship a bomb like yeah I guess yeah. <laughs> uh, not really you don't <laughs>
1: So, Leela confronts Fry, but she's very
5: sympathetic. Can't you leave me alone? I'm miserable enough already.
4: Look, I know it's not much consolation, but I understand how you feel.
5: No, you don't. I've got no home, no family. No friends. (laughs) My whole world is gone. You can't possibly understand what it feels like to be so alone.
4: I understand. I'm the only one-eyed alien on this whole planet. My parents abandoned me here as a baby, and I don't even know what galaxy they were from. I know how it feels to be alone.
5: Look, Leela, I don't understand this world, but you obviously do. So I give up. If you really think I should be a delivery boy, I'll do it.
1: So we eventually meet Leela's parents, who are very, very, very Jewish mutants. <laughs> yes, yes <laughs> it's that's like Zoidberg was not enough. <laughs>
3: I mean, Mr. Co- Cohen, Cohen is Jewish. There's a lot of Cohen is Jewish. <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, of well, I like to imagine the parents are just off screen watching her as they always are. Yeah.
1: Tucking her in. And
3: but that is something that kind of not hurts, but changes Futurama in reviewings when you know every secret. Or at least every secret I think they had at I mean, the time. But it changes
2: it. If you haven't seen it in a while, it's awesome to see how many seeds they lay mm-hmm. in the beginning. I mean, just I couldn't. I was so astonished. She looked. Leela looks different the whole episode, and then eventually rips her jacket off, I'm like mm-hmm. holy All right, shit. The we t- just watched her become Leela in like twenty minutes.
3: And there's also a great gag I never noticed in the first viewing that she has a ring on her pinky that you never see her wear ever again. Mm -hmm. And I was like, why is there a ring in that shot? And then
1: then Bender solves the mystery of the missing ring. That's the (laughs) mystery of the missing ring. (laughs) Let's have a drink. (laughs)
3: That was great.
1: So uh, Dick Clark is our other guest. And there's not really a joke outside the fact that he's still alive and looks young. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, that was the joke in the 90s, before his massive stroke. Uh, like, miss, Dick Clark will never die. Dick Clark
3: never, he'll never ages. never
2: die until his stroke when this gets really uncomfortable. Yeah, I miss making that joke.
3: It's yeah. depressing you can't. I remember, actually, around the same time, the Treehouse of Horror of this year that's right. had Dick Clark as a robot malfunctioning when when Y2K happens. Mm. And he. that's the explanation of why Dick Clark never ages. And yeah, it was, boy, seeing him make his first post-stroke appearance. It's like... I, good on you for getting back on TV and, and proving you this wasn't wasn't going to stop you. But you kind of got a gasp yeah. the first time You, you it. should have
2: just like waved me. and said, "Yeah,
3: <laughs> Not how dare you just... remind
1: me of my mortality? I'm yeah. a young man." <laughs> yeah, uh, Dick Clark's rocking New Year's Eve. Who hosts it now?
3: Seacrest. It, it, oh yeah, Seacrest inherited it though. I'm more of an Anderson Cooper guy though. Then fucking him and Kathy Griffin were such a funny pair.
2: Like the. The, what, it was I'm
3: gay and I can say this the fag was, and the fag hag <laughs>
2: they were so funny together like they, <laughs> it was a great odd couple for like millennials yes <laughs> especially when
3: he was not out yeah that she would keep going like here's a gay joke he's like please I can't acknowledge oh is he actually out was, now yeah he's oh out. he's been out okay, for a while I didn't realize
1: yeah. that but like I would watch this uh the New Year's Rockin' Eve with my grandma and my parents and stuff growing up and I'm like Nothing says rocking like spending a New Year's Eve with a sixty-three-year-old man. I, I don't understand. It's like uh, maybe you were rocking in the '60s, Dick. I don't know.
2: New Year's Rockin' Eve. I mean, most <laughs> viewers
3: of American Bandstand are dead now, like so they don't remember.
2: That. Dude, it would be hard to describe the genre of American Bandstand to people yeah. now. Yeah,
3: what would it even be? But no it's, idea.
2: Go it's, back
1: in time twenty years and watch three runs on VH1. Dance
3: to music.
2: Yeah, <laughs> it's got, you got a great beat
3: like and I can dance. The to. most
2: expensive show to license from here now. <laughs> uh,
3: but there's some. Also, good uh, book ending of this episode. We start with a countdown in 1999. We end with a countdown in 2,999. Yeah, the countdown 99.
1: in the uh, Planet Express ship, mm-hmm. too. So. And it's
3: something I liked on the show as it would go on that the characters aged. I mean, they weren't drawn differently, mm-hmm. but... It would be 3,009 in the show and then right. bring it back when I it was 2,009.
1: Fry is 25, like canonically born in 1975.
3: Though they, for real, have died or have been chemically de-aged so many times on the show that you can't even say, like, oh, Fry doesn't look like he's 40. It's like, well, this is Fry, like, 18 bodies <laughs> later. Or this is the Fry from a universe that died two times over... Well, from a time machine, if you recall that one. They have many
1: creative ways to not have to make new character designs. But, yes, here we meet Farnsworth, who sounds very different, by the way.
0: (laughs) By God, I am your nephew. This is absolutely incredible. (laughs) Can we have some money? Oh, my, no. (laughs) Let me show you around.
5: That's my lab table, and this is my work stool. And over there is my intergalactic spaceship. And here's where I keep assorted lengths of wire. Whoa! A real live spaceship! I designed it myself. Let me show you some of the different lengths of wire I used.
3: <laughs> Let's go! Can we call that line of the show? Like, oh my no! Yes,
5: <laughs>
2: I, it's very funny. <laughs> oh
0: wait, you serious? Let me laugh even harder. <laughs>
2: Wonderful Excellent. That's choice. the line of the show. <laughs> my my only other nomination was Phil's ass full of laser, but that's that, pretty I definitely good. got a better. We have you partially I surrounded.
3: But, <laughs> but I, I, yes, As Farnsworth is not the Farnsworth we get to know yes. later either. He Every. Becomes,
2: Everybody's pretty different. And that's the most piloty thing about it. I think that all the mm-hmm. voices haven't kicked in yet.
1: Yeah, like usually in the fr- if you go back to the first episode of any animated program, yeah. everyone is way too laid back and like low energy. Slower. I have yeah. to convey
2: information. It's a pilot, mm-hmm. and then after but, this, like everything speeds up.
1: Farnsworth is very pleasant and not doddering <laughs> enough. This is this is before the Angry Dome.
2: He, I'll uh, be in uh, the yes. Angry Dome. I, well, I, I
3: love. The Farnsworth of the of like even ten episodes from now is just the guy who's like, You idiots, you did this wrong. Like, don't you know that this thing is this? He might
1: be my favorite and Futurama character. Way more willing to kill his entire crew. <laughs>
3: yes, yeah. Though he's 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 kind of ambivalent to their deaths in this, but yeah, he also has not got his catchphrase yet of good news, everyone. And uh, but I I still love this voice Billy is doing is more like an old man that Ren and Stimpy would have visited who would have said, <laughs> oh, let sure. me show you these things. Like that That's who his voice is here. And Farnsworth is named after the inventor of the television. That's right.
1: Philo and, Farnsworth.
3: And I also just love like, this is the future, and the way they test their DNA is to each put their finger in a device that has a light bulb on it. And if the light bulb lights up, they are related. The nephew 19,
2: testing machine. It's the nineteen sixties future, <laughs> alive and well. Just like
1: the uh, just like the cryotube, it has like an egg timer bell. <laughs> yeah, it's
3: so great. That's that it is the future, but also old. Like it's something in in future episodes you'll see that a Futuristic bus still has air brakes, or the sound of air brakes at the very least. That's right.
1: Actually, Henry, you pointed out the parallels between the beginning and the end. It's fun to think about, like, so the beginning, the 1999 New Year's was the worst night for Fry, sitting alone, drinking a beer. The 3,000 New Year's is escaping on a spaceship in the future with yep. all of your new crazy mutant robot friends. Like yeah. it's it's the that exact opposite of yeah. the old New Year's he just I
2: experienced. I lived through New Year's '99. I traded for a second <laughs> whatever, whatever Fry gets. And the
3: countdown to black. Blastoff is great, though. I uh, got continuity again. I oh, know. In the very next episode, it's established that they need no countdowns for blast off, and that they fly to the moon in four seconds
1: That's while, right. while
3: he is counting down to ten. They
1: got a new engine, let's say. Sure. And, in the I, countdown, I, it's implied that uh, they no longer speak French in France.
3: French is a dead that language in the future. <laughs> yes. Say, they, instead of saying whatever Frenchies say for too, they... So do? I, uh, I mean, hot shots. I look, I... Oh, yeah, do, yeah. <laughs> (laughs) Uh, I I took Spanish, not French in high school. I took French and I learned nothing. (laughs) And also, well, anyway, uh, I... It's it's a nice anti-French joke, but those those would be less funny after invading Iraq. Yes, to, to, um, at least to the lefty liberals who watch Futurama.
1: Post-Freedom Fries. So,
3: <laughs> and then we get to see the the Planet Express ship the, in the first episode. too. you kind of have to set that up because that is their starship Enterprise that will yeah. take them to new fun adventures. And it
1: has a Simpsons overbite, even the ship does. <laughs> That's right. Yes. It does. So uh, after abandoning their career chips, Frybender and Leela are fugitives. Or are they?
5: So I guess without jobs we'll be fugitives forever. Not necessarily. Are you three by any chance interested in becoming my new spaceship crew? New crew? Or
0: what happened to the old crew?
5: Oh, those poor sons of... But that's not important. <laughs> the important thing is I need a new crew. Anyone interested? Yes! Yes! That's exactly the job I've always wanted!
4: Thanks for the offer, Professor. But we don't have the proper career chips.
5: Oh, that won't be a problem. As luck would have it, I saved the chips from my previous crew. (laughs) This is awesome! Are we gonna fly through space, fighting monsters and teaching alien women to love? (laughs) If by that you mean transporting cargo, then yes. (laughs) It's a little home business I started to fund my research. Cool! What's my job gonna be? you'll be responsible for ensuring that the cargo reaches its destination. So I'm going to be a delivery boy? Exactly. All right! I'm a delivery boy!
1: Great ending. <laughs> it <laughs> it really makes is. you think the entire episode was kind of pointless because if Fry got chipped at the beginning, he could have just went to Farnsworth and got hired immediately yeah, with the would, career chip in his hand. He
3: would, so like, oh yeah, you could be my delivery boy now, and that would be it. And it, it, but it is a great premise to set up all future episodes of well what's going to get them in a new situation well they'll fly somewhere to deliver it and then an adventure will happen like that mm-hmm. though they kind of they get kind of bored with that pretty quickly yeah know, in premises for the show but the so I love the future that they are still using Manila envelopes to <laughs> hold,
1: hold chips by the way contents action. of Space Wasp stomach <laughs> yes. No. Which will be addressed again. In yes, the, it will yeah.
3: be. But they yeah. were bees on the episode, uh, not wasps. It's but a kind of bee, I, think you I guess. Also,
2: might need to explain to younger people the air tubes in general, because mm-hmm. like that is that is how we did our banking. In oh the yeah, 80s. those don't. Oh yeah. I Do not anymore? believe they exist? There's got to be like in
1: the Midwest. There's got to be some oh, tubes. I mean, I haven't around. had in a
3: car in a decade, so I have not had a reason to go through a drive-through at a bank and deposit money.
2: But it's I me mean, neither. It just it's awesome to think if you watch any sci-fi from that era those yeah. sucky tubes delivery system is all over everything we all thought um, pneumatic tubes were the pneumatic is, that what pneumatics yeah. is what he says yeah. oh yeah pneumatic tubes
1: actually I worked in an ancient office building probably <gasps> built in 1910 mm-hmm. and on every floor there were tubes running all throughout oh, the floor God. and guess what with a picture of mr. zip
3: wow. <laughs> did they
1: operate <laughs> no oh, because my God. I was Youngstown Ohio only one floor of the 30 had businesses in it yeah, so there God. you go
2: that's how we used to send our dick pics kids <laughs> <laughs> pneumatic well, tube
3: well as, he, as Homer says the tube knows what to Yes, I, I think that is a great ending and that it completely sets up who Philip J. Fry is, yeah. which is a guy who learns no lessons and is happy with being exactly the same. Exactly.
1: He has no goals. <laughs> it
2: crams in a ton of information and premise and doesn't overload itself, waits a little bit to uh, introduce the other characters. I think it's perfect. It's one of the best pilots I've seen. Yeah. It's it, good. It got
1: me so excited as a 16-year-old, b- 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 almost 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, more of this. More, yeah. more, more. When I was 16,
3: I... Uh really enjoyed it I would say the only thing that hurt it for me was that I watched all of the commercials 8 million times for it in my excitement without realizing it was almost every joke from the pilot yeah the I mean Bender shitting a
1: brick <laughs> yes. when the cops show up which uh, is
2: now a gag in every single DreamWorks movie uh, it yeah. really is
1: someone just dropping something heavy out of their depends pants depends on what it is
2: it'll be like an egg if it's a chicken or well mm.
3: Pixar would do it That's too true. multiple times with uh, Mr. The Potato Head uh, in Finding
1: Nemo the ink from the octopus
3: yeah which the ink (laughs) does not come out of their anus (laughs) like come on
1: yes so that was Talking (laughs) Futurama folks I gotta say Great, great uh, job, everybody. I thought we did an amazing job. But at home, you're like, I love love Talking Futurama, Bob Mackie, of Talking Simpsons fame. Where can I have more of this? Well, I'll tell you what, if you didn't listen to the beginning, the second episode is now live on the Talking Simpsons Patreon. For just $5 a month, you'll get that, all the future episodes, which won't be free, and everything we've done so far, which is too much to list, but Henry... Do it. <laughs>
2: oh, Jesus Christ. There's talking critic. There's an interview with uh, Mike Scully and Bill Oakley. Two interviews uh, with Bill Oakley. Two interviews with Bill Oakley. Uh, Paul Provenzano, the producer. I'm trying to wow. upset through a lot of these. Uh, glad uh, to hear it a lot. It yes. is a three minute speech. Um, uh, is it and, Mimi Rogers? Yeah, we, yeah, maybe, we have an interview with mm, Mimi Rogers. No, me not Mimi Rogers. Me me Rogers is is oh, my yes. bad. Not the actress. Uh, <laughs> that would be pretty irrelevant uh keep going take oh the ball, well, take also the
3: every season wrap up of the show uh that we did uh, deleted scenes we did the entire series of talking critic that was like the predate to this and there's tons more coming after that oh and our monthly community podcast where we chat with or we talk through some of our favorite comments
1: Yes. episode two is waiting for you why don't you reach out and give it a call go to <laughs> patreon.com <start> talking simpsons <laughs> five bucks will get you that and all the rest they won't be free I'm sorry but we gotta make a living folks
2: shut up and give us your money exactly okay that's good that's a good sales pitch maybe Uh. maybe consider listening to laser time 30 or fidget game apocalypse do it or suck my tiny metal dick Uh Um, Uh, not as appealing (laughs) (laughs) thank you for listening
1: folks we'll see you next week or maybe even now for episode 2 the series has landed see you then
4: now dead. Thank you for using Stop and Drop, America's favorite suicide booth since 2008.